What is up? I'm back from vacation, and this is going to be the first of two episodes I'm going to hopefully put out this week because I'm flying and living in a hostel next week. So we were on vacation, read a lot of books, visited some relatives, and I hope you enjoy. Reluctant vegan What is going on, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to episode 52. 52. That's a full playing card deck worth of podcast episodes from me and my various guests. I guess that is a big number because we do play a lot of card games. Sorry about not communicating. Last week, I was on vacation and I was unable to put out this episode, which would have been about something entirely different. I don't really plan my episodes I have ideas of what I want to talk about, but I talk about things in my life that come up or things that I see that come up, and usually I talk about more recent things, and then if nothing new and interesting is going on, I have a list compiled of ideas, and then I go on and talk about other shit that is not as much personal, but it's more other things that I take in and reflect on, and it's not less important to be reflecting on non-personal things, but really, when you are focusing on stuff... In life, in general, the first person you focus on is yourself. You are number one. So if you have the chance to reflect on things and thoughts and ideas, you want to reflect on yourself first. Can't be worrying about other people. They're not worrying out worrying for you. Well, they might be, but they're not worrying for you first. The only person that is putting you first is you. Now, if you have kids, young kids especially, maybe that's someone you're putting first. Each person in life is in a different place. But you also have to think what makes sense for you. And in a majority of scenarios, you're able to do that. Not every. Sometimes you got to do stuff you don't want to. But then you could still reflect on how can we make those decisions and those things better and more incorporated in our life so we have a better time doing it. Because if you do not like the things you're doing, you're just going to half-ass it and do a terrible job. On that note, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining me. Uh, I was on vacation last week. I went with my family. Uh, we flew down to Florida to visit some young cousins. We have a four-year-old cousin, and we have a one-year-old, a one-and-a-half-year-old cousin uh, on my dad's side. They're in Florida. That's from the same family. Then my other cousin is six months old. We have Mason for uh, Jordan, one-and-a-half, and Reed. We were very surprised by his naming. We actually put bets on what we thought the kid's name was going to be. Not monetary. I mean, we were just spitballing about what it could possibly be. And I got to tell you, no one said the name Reed. We had no idea. We thought it was, the name was going to be Sam. But we have an uncle, so maybe not. And in Jewish tradition, you can't name people alpha, out of... <laughs> you can't name people after living relatives. Now, how close do they have to be related to you to be a living relative that you can't name it after? Because I'm sure somewhere, some place, there's another person that is blood-related to me named Adam. Maybe it's immediate family. Not positive about that one. But there's some superstition, I guess, about naming a kid after a living relative. And isn't religion just all superstition? You go and you say your prayers and believe in God and whether you believe in God or not. Uh, You're doing the same things. I mean, superstition does exist. I am a very superstitious person. I would, growing up, I played baseball. Baseball players are notoriously superstitious. I remember every day I would put my 
uniform on the same way. Every time I'd go out to pitch, I'd throw the same order of pitches, warming up. I would not step on lines. I would do this. I would do that. And I don't know. If you're doing well, you just keep the same thing going. I mean, those are just me personally. There are other people that have that don't change their underwear, don't change their socks. And, you know, you learn to live with that. If you're winning, you want to keep everything exactly the same. Also, possibly, if you don't do it differently, people look to put blame on something else often, and you could say it's different. So maybe then you don't want to do everything the same. But if you do, if something different happens, you blame that. If you do everything the same every single day and it works out, and then something goes differently, you're going to blame that. Maybe not 100% of the time, but... 70, 75%? I mean, me personally, if I would place blame. Like, I would jokingly place blame. I'd be like, yeah, it was, you know, it was my right sock went on first, not my left sock this time. I put my left sock foot on first. And because of that, you know, we lost and I did terribly. I might joke and say that, but no, I mean, if you suck, admit you suck. I hopefully did that. And you can't blame other people. I mean, you can blame. There, there are easy people to blame and hard people to blame. But people are have to be put in positions where it's the best thing. And the hardest person to blame is yourself because, in a way, I find it easy. It's easy to find fault in yourself because that's the person who's most critical. It's also hard to share your blame because you don't want to. You, people feel bad when they make mistakes, so they try not to. I try not to. So we were on vacation in Florida, so we flew down to Florida and visited our first group of cousins. And I find it really interesting because we had a generic a plan to visit this group of these people. We were making this trip to see our baby cousins. And and we have family down there. I mean, my dad's two of one of my dad's brothers and two of our cousins, three of our cousins actually live down there. And we wanted to go visit them, so we had this vivid plan. And there, we were asking them, how often do you see each other? They all live in relatively the Tampa area, one one immediate family. The other family lives in Miami, so they don't see each other very often. But the family that lives in Tampa, how often do you see your relatives? We got thinking. So we got down there, and we're like, you must see each other fairly often because everybody was hanging out together, and we, we had a pretty good time. And... It was interesting because they said they hadn't seen each other since Thanksgiving. And it really made me think that at first it made me think that we bring the family together, that when we're not there, they never see each other, which isn't true. But we just have set reasons for being there. If you're going about your day-to-day life, unless a person is in your life, how often do you see them? If you have to make an effort to see someone, what do you do? I know that I would like to see people more often and I'm trying to work on that that's something I struggle with trying to make plans not just stay at home but I maybe see three groups of friends and the rest of the people in my life who I would still consider my friends are outside if they're outside of that group I have I don't see them very often so it becomes very difficult each person running around to their entire place and that's what I thought on second reflection or on second thought, second thought, second reflection, same same thing. But instead of it being we bring the family together, it's, it's just hard to see people unless you see them every day, especially if you're married, especially if you have kids. And it's just interesting to see how we think that, or I thought, that 
We were these important people coming down, and we were the important people, but we're the ones that have a set mindset. We go there to see them, and if you go to do something, and you plan, and that's your entire plan, you're going to do it. And if you don't do that, well, then it's not just going to get done, and so living near each other doesn't necessarily mean you're going to see each other once a month, every other week. You know, it sometimes gets to be three months. There are large calendar dates that you're like, okay, this is when we see these people. And outside of that time, it becomes very difficult. So that was the first thing that happened. So we were in Tampa. And I talked about this before, but me, uh, my dad, and my sister all had COVID and were quarantining together over Christmas. Uh, This becomes important in the second half because we already all tested negative the day before going down. We had young relatives. We had my dad's brothers older than he is. He's about 70. I think he's about 70. Maybe 73 or 72. I don't know the date of my dad's brothers, how old they are. But we didn't want to give it to them because even if we didn't have the most symptoms, other people could. And I don't know how exactly how it affects younger children. We get down there and... After two days hanging out with this family, we go to visit our the other family in Miami, uh, who, they're not necessarily in Miami, Miami, they're near, forgot, I don't know, Florida geography, they're closer to Fort Lauderdale, uh, but we go to visit them, and my mom isn't feeling well, and so we start, we check to see if, uh, we go to the hotel there, and we get there, and we stay, and she's really not feeling well. And the next day, she barely leaves bed. And so we're supposed to fly that day. We don't go see the cousins, of course. Uh, and she takes a rapid test, and it comes back positive. And so she has COVID, and she's in Miami. And the next day, we're supposed to get on a flight to go to the Dominican Republic. Now, bear in mind, other countries have different regulations. To go to the Dominican Republic you do not need to produce a negative COVID test, okay? And people can do whatever they want to with that information that they have. Some people would say, okay, I'm willing to risk the people on the plane. It's possible, some people would say. I can, you know, fly down and I will spend my time quarantining in the sun or in in, in a sunnier place, stay away from people. She wouldn't go to the dining hall. We'd bring her food. But my mindset is... If you know you have COVID, why are you doing that? Why are you going to fly and put people at risk? It's, it's different if you don't know you have COVID. Because then, I mean, there's a possibility if you didn't know you had it. There's a possibility you didn't have it and you're flying and it turns out you had. You're just going with the information that you previously had. And if that previous information said you were positive, then I don't think you should be flying. I mean, if you're sick, you shouldn't be flying in general. A lot of people... Flights are a big place where people get sick. It used to be because, you know, you're there for a long time. There's closed air. People are really near each other. And with COVID, especially testing positive, it doesn't just doesn't make any sense. So my mom and my dad end up deciding to fly, uh, drive back, not fly. If she's not going to fly to the Dominican Republic, she's going to not fly back to New York. It doesn't matter either way. Uh, so they end up deciding to drive back to New York and quarantine at home where it's more comfortable. I mean, I'm a big fan of home. This is a place that you know so well and you can lay out. And even if you're in some other place like a hotel room or if you're at a friend's house, you still feel like a guest. 
You're not, it's not the same. You can't put your legs up necessarily. 18 hours is a long drive. My dad drove the whole time because she was sick, and I'm really impressed by that. I could not drive that long. You know, I'm a pretty new driver, though, so I think that makes sense. So they go back, and me and Lily end up flying to the Dominican Republic. Now, when I say we go to the Dominican Republic, we really just go to all-inclusive resorts and lounge on beds. It's really nice, actually. I'm very privileged. I'm very lucky uh, to have to be be able to do that. But we go, and while we're there, we meet a lot of people who had COVID and weren't taking risks. And well, I mean, they were taking risks. They they had COVID, and there was no quarantining. Yes, there was a quarantine uh, hall. Uh, you know, there were rooms that people were designated to go to if they did end up testing positive. But no one was keeping track if they were staying in there. They were able to go all around the place. And it was just kind of odd. And in a way, it was a blessing that my mom didn't end up coming to the Dominican Republic because we had COVID recently, uh, previously. The antibodies were in our system. And we were able to not be worried. And we tested negative. On the last day, you need a negative test to come back to the U.S. And it was, everything was fine. But my mom would have tested positive. And I guess the question then is, she doesn't have much to do. Me and Lily, we I'm flying tomorrow to Columbia. I'll get into that. And uh, she had to go back to school. So we were unable. It would have affected us to stay. Now, it wouldn't have affected mom. But she wouldn't be able to come back. And she would be there alone by herself so I think she would have gotten COVID it was a pretty high chance now I don't understand what's going on in that place I think there should be more at least carefulness from the people we talked to a couple weeks ago everyone in the resort had COVID and it was interesting how people were not really being the safest with COVID but then we're questioning uh, the test results so there was a testing place that we went to as we were about to fly out and it was on the resort, and people were thinking that they made tests positive to keep people there to get more money, even if it was covered by insurance. They would, the resort would make the money. And it is definitely possible. It does seem that they are producing positive results just so people would have to stay. But also, the, some people we've talked to with positive results while we were there said they had COVID, yet they said they tested negatively previously, and then they tested positive. But they had COVID not over Christmas like we did, which is about three weeks ago. No, they had COVID a week before. That might still be in their system and show up. And it was interesting, too, because we had some friends. We, we made a lot of friends on the resort, and they tested negative and were able to go home, but then got back home and tested positive. Now, how did they get to go home and their other friend stay? That doesn't make any sense. Something was a little bit fishy, it did seem, about the tests. But the thing that seemed for certain is that people did have COVID on the resort. <coughs> Excuse me. So, that was the COVID part of it. Now, when we go to the resort... We do nothing. This is relaxing time. 
Okay. This is where I, you know, people go to resorts, they go on excursions. There are people who do buggy trips, waterfall trips, and those are great and those are fun. But I don't, we don't really do that. I mean, I don't really feel the need. We kind of stay on the resort. We go to sit on the beach and relax for an entire week. And that's what we did. I would play like, I would play a ton of volleyball, play three, four games of volleyball a day. I know it was a lot. There's a lot of Eastern, are there a lot of Russian and Polish people? And there are also a lot of Canadians. And I'm not sure exactly how Polish, uh, how COVID is in Poland and Russia. Uh, a lot of those, pe- a lot of those people didn't speak much English. But a lot of the Canadians were from Quebec, and a lot, most of the time, they just told us how bad Quebec was. Right now, Quebec has a lot of COVID, and the city is pretty much shut down. And there's a curfew, and so the people from Quebec were mostly our age, and they were the ones that go to the all-inclusive resorts, you know, drinks are included, and drink a good majority of the time. And there's nothing wrong with that. You want to have a good time, you can drink the entire time. No one's going to stop you. There, You don't have your parents. I mean, most of those people came with friend groups or a buddy and met other people from Montreal or whatever, wherever, and hung out with them. Me and Lily usually come on this trip with our parents, which doesn't necessarily mean we drink less but we also have mostly family time we only drink at night we spend a lot of time with our family and this time we ended up spending a lot more time with other people not that we wouldn't have people to hang out otherwise but the time where we would maybe have a closer friend group we would spend with our parents meals I'm saying in particular yes me and Lily have most of our meals together but also, these meals are joined by other people that kind of folded into our family on vacation. Anyways, so I played a lot of volleyball. There were a lot of Russians and Polish people. Mostly Russian and Polish people played volleyball. They took volleyball very seriously. They were intense games. I got a lot better. I'm still not very good. But there was one guy that was jump serving, you know, spiking, doing really well. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't tell. And it was really interesting seeing people of other cultures who didn't necessarily speak English. Uh, I couldn't tell what they thought of me. A lot of the Russian people playing volleyball were very serious. And we're, me and Lily, we try to lighten the mood. We dance, we joke, we do whatever. Sometimes people were receptive and sometimes people were not receptive. And that is... Okay, all you can do is be happy, positive, and try to communicate the best you can. Their kids, though, really took a liking to us. They would dance with us and play volleyball. Now, I still couldn't understand most of them. But you don't really have to understand people to enjoy their time or company. All you need to do is enjoy being with them. It is definitely much easier when you can talk and relate to each other. But you can just hang out, play games. I mean... There were some people that, there was one woman that barely spoke a word of English that we hung out, played Uno, and had a great time with. I mean, it it certainly is more difficult, and you can't be discouraged if people don't understand what you're saying or you have a hard time communicating. But it 
doesn't reflect necessarily on who that person is. That makes sense. I think it does. Try to keep it in mind. But if you enjoy your time or you try to have the best time possible, you will have the best time possible. If you focus on the fact that maybe you're not able to communicate the way you want to, or if you think that their perception of you is bad, you're not going to get past that. I thought that sometimes I would be like, what do they think of me? Oh, they're not liking me. And A, that might be true. And if it's true, they won't tell you. So you can, you're only telling that to yourself. Or B, and this is what the case is most of the time, that's completely false. And they, and they still love you. Even if they're not able to show it necessarily. And all you can do is be the best you can be and people will rec- receive you any way they want to. The other thing I did a lot on vacation was I read books. Uh, I read a lot. So we disconnect. We don't keep our phones on us. There, is, there was Wi-Fi at this resort. We don't keep our phones on us all day. We leave the phones in the room, and we spend the entire week disconnected, which is amazing. I see a lot of people reach for their phones. I see a lot of people do this and that. It's just, it felt so much better, and it's so hard to do now in the society at home where you have work on the computer, you know, there's so many videos, there's so many little things calling for your attention. School is now back online for a lot of people. And so you can't even get away from it there. And it's interesting because back when I had school, I was really bored. And so I'd try to hide my phone and go on my phone. And that's just people being young, somewhat immature, not necessarily immature. It's just a lack of attention. And, and school is boring. It is really boring. I was not a fan of school. So I read books, and the books that I read, I have requests from my friends uh, from high school who read a lot of books. They share what they're reading, and I look up books, and I read more serious books. I have a hard time choosing light reading because I just tend to gravitate towards books I've already read, like Harry Potter, because I enjoy reading Harry Potter. If I'm going to read a fictional book, I'm going to read something I enjoy. I'm sure I would enjoy lots of other books, but I don't know how to choose. I don't know how to pick the difference. And each person gets into books in their own time, or they get into like into reading the book. I mean, once you get into it, you could finish it in a day. But before that, it might be a page a day. And that's okay. And not everybody loves reading. If you don't enjoy reading, that's great. That's fine. There are many things I don't enjoy doing. I had a hard time cutting out cookie shapes over Christmas not exactly the same thing but if you don't enjoy it you don't have to do it reading is just an option I enjoy it and I read really heavy books and the book I read and I finished is called Monster it's a recommendation from my high school friend group and it's by Monster Cody Scott uh, otherwise known as Sinekia Shakur he passed away and it's called an auto it's called Monster an autobiography of an LA gang member And it was truly a fascinating book. Uh, It showed things that I couldn't even imagine. I mean, just for an example, when and this says it in the blurb on the back, so I'm not, I don't know if you would call these spoilers. It sounds bad, it would be, because it's it's his life story. It's, It's an autobiography. But when he was 11, he was inducted, he became a member of the Crips. He was a member of the Crips for about... 20 years, I would, I think. 
not entirely positive. He did leave the organization later when he was in prison, later at some point. And he didn't leave because he was in prison. I mean, gangs still exist in prison. And I'm basing a lot of what I'm saying off this book. And when he was 11 to be inducted, he went with friends. And these are people not much older than he was. And they shot uh, members of a rival gang. And he pumped four shotgun blasts into another person at the age of 11. It really is. It's entirely different. And this, he says in the book, was the proudest moment of his life. He'd given up on school already. He'd given up on I mean, things. This is what he wanted to do. He wanted to be a gang member. Because in his idea, this was his way of him controlling his own life. If he was in school, he would just try be trying to fit into another system. He wouldn't necessarily be himself. This way, even if it isn't necessarily the best way to me or to you, but to him, he found it was the best way of controlling his own life. And that's all that people are trying to do. They're trying to have some form of control. People don't want to be shifted, move from house to house, not being comfortable. People are trying to feel comfortable, and a lot of times that is out of your control. And any ability to regain some of that in whatever fashion, whatever way you think it is, I mean, it's what he's going for. I can't judge him. It's nothing, I mean, I'm not in any sort of position. I just thought it was really fascinating the way he was writing about it as similar to wars that the U.S. fights with other countries, except these are young black men fighting against each other in a community, in their, in their community. And he opens the book by, by saying that he calls himself what he does is he's an expert on gangs. And he talks about how gangs are usually portrayed or written by other other people. By but not other people. I mean it is other people, but it's people who have never been in the life. People who don't necessarily understand. I mean, no amount of me talking to anybody that's been in a gang will make me understand what it is like to shoot another person. And and he did that happened to him at the age of 11. When I was 11, I didn't even know what the f- what was going on. I have no idea what was going I was I guess I was in 6th grade. I was homeschooled at the time. I was waking up and watching Let's Make a Deal and the Price is Right. I mean, people grow up very differently in various areas or v- just people grow up very differently. And yeah, he said he's an expert on it because he lived the life. He did things and he, I can't remember exactly in the book if he said he would, I don't think he said, not positive. There was a point of him saying whether he was proud or not proud. And I can't remember if he said he was proud or not. But whatever way he felt about it is justify, is is the way he felt about it. And there's nothing to do. But it's really interesting because it shows how people who are in gangs or how him himself justified or brought to the idea of what he was doing 
because people just see the news and they think it's senseless. It's, you know, why would people kill other people? It's because, and it's more, it's more conflicted. It's more than just that. There's thought about who they're targeting. They're targeting other people to make a name for themselves, to gain some control. A lot of it is if I was doing, if I wasn't doing this to them, they would be doing it to me. It's preemptive. And there are strikes back and forth, back and forth. And this is the way his life went. And he did go to prison. Now, I don't think he was, is he necessarily a bad person? I don't necessarily think so. Do all bad people go to prison? No, this is the way that his life took him. Yeah, there are some decisions that maybe he could have made that could have taken, that could have had him not be in that life. But I can't say if I was in his position, if I had his mind, what I would do. I have no clue. It is so different. I think I think it's really, re- really interesting and it's really important for people to read this. I mean, when I read the end of the book, I was crying because he was doing the same thing that he was most people do. And that's looking out for his friends and trying to look out for his community or his set. That's where his loyalty was, and that's who he was trying to protect. His family, his friends. And is that any different? That's what, then people. I was crying at the end of the book. I mean, the book ends, he sees his best friend forever in jail, and it's just so awful, it just felt so awful to see him in that way. He was avoiding it, and he, he, he was avoiding it because he didn't want to see him in that way, and he knew it. He knew he would have to do it at some point, but it's so hard to do things that you have to do sometimes. It goes back to what I was saying earlier. I said something earlier. Oh, yeah. Some things you have to do what something you don't want to do. And it is so hard. And this is an entirely different situation. I'm not trying to relate it to myself in any way. But something he had to do and he found it very difficult he didn't want to but he knew he had to do it and that's a very different thing but that's just a little bit from the book and damn my microphone just fell over but the book is really good I I was reading some reviews of it and some people said it promotes gang life or it shows a favorable view of gang activity and from my reading which of it, which I think the comment is absurd, first of all, because how are you going to comment on this man's autobiography of how it promotes gang violence when his life is, was gang, wasn't a gang? Doesn't make any sense to me. But it didn't seem to be that. It just seemed to be this is what he did, and this is what happened, and in his life, he felt like he wanted to be a gang member. He was proud of it. He said it was the proudest thing when he was, and this is when he was joining. And how are you going to say, well, no. No, you're, you're just promoting, you're just showing that this is, as, this is positive. No, it's showing people dying too. It's showing everything. It's showing how he saw it. And that's, that's all I really have to say about that. I might end it there. I might come back to this a little bit. Yeah, I think I'm going to end it there. Uh, thank you. So much for listening. Read the book Monster by Cody Scott or Snyeka. 
hopefully I pronounced that right, Shakur. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, I fly to Columbia tomorrow, so I will try to record. I'm staying in a hostel for a little bit, so I'll figure out a way. But I'll hopefully have an opportunity, if not next week, the week after, to put out another episode. Uh, stay, stay tuned. Uh, thanks for listening, and follow me on social media at Reluctant Vegan Sun. Follow, uh, please like, subscribe, review the podcast. And if you could tell one friend about it, that would be amazing. Uh, well, I don't really say how, I guess why do I read those books? I guess I'll just finish on that note real quick. Already closed up. I read books because I want to learn things. I want to learn about other people's perspectives or what happened to other people in life. And it really makes you think about the struggles people go through. You don't know what's happening to someone or what's happening inside someone's head unless you ask them or unless you read someone telling you about it. And, and I like it. And each time I read a book like this, it really makes me question decisions that are being made by people who have no idea what is going on in this world. You look at politicians who write the rules saying they're promoting safety. Yes, people want their kids to be safe. These are young kids. Most of the people in, that he was saying were in his sets. That's like his, little, his core group of members, his core set, are very, very young. And the people and the, people do want, yeah, it's hard to go to funerals for young people and that stuff. But the people who are writing laws, who are doing things for that community, and it would be a great way if everybody was safe. Like, I don't want anybody to die, but they have no idea what is going on. And a lot of the attempts just make it more difficult for these people. And I just think it's important to educate yourself on on matters. Not that you're necessarily writing laws about them, but that you can share with people and tell people when, you know, people are saying, oh, but this is just senseless gang violence. No, there's a reason why people do things. It's not, okay, there's sometimes things don't make any sense. It's possible. But most of the time, there's, there's reasons. Whether you think they're good reasons, whether you think they're bad reasons, somehow in that person's life, they got to that point. And that's just what it makes me think about. So I, I want to understand people. I really should have been a, is it a sociologist. I don't know. I forgot what the study of people is called. <laughs> Anyways, thanks for listening. Have a great one.